scripture reading uh, for the, this morning is uh, from Psalm 67 on your pew bible page 57570 <clears throat> may god be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us that your ways may be known on earth your salvation among all nations may the people's praise you god may all the peoples praise you may the nations be glad and sing for joy for you rule the people justly and guide the nations of the earth may the people's praise you god may all the peoples praise you then the land will yield its harvest and god our god will bless us god will bless us and all the ends of the earth will fear him this is the word of god <clears throat> This psalm echoes uh, the blessing that Aaron and his descendants said over the people of Israel, as recorded in Numbers chapter 6. But it goes deeper and gives us an explanation why God blesses his people. So the verse 1 uh, says, May God be gracious to us and bless us, and make... his face shine on us so that your ways may be known on earth your salvation among all the people all the nations verse 1 as i said is very identical to the aaronic blessing found in numbers chapter 6 the lord bless you and keep you the lord makes his face shine upon you and be gracious to you the notable difference is how the psalmist address god in the psalm as not the old testament yahweh the lord the name god here is used as god of all god who created all things god who rules over all things god is termed here according to his character to whom that orients us to the rest of this prayer Verse 1 goes on to say God be gracious to us. Well that's the only way we can relate to him because by nature we are sinners. We are covered in our shame and in our guilt. God's grace is so radically beyond our ability to comprehend. The basis of grace is the unmerited favor of God enveloped in unconditional love. of god and it and he calls out god be gracious to us though we don't deserve it now look at the following verses and, and bless us often we are hesitant to ask god to bless us especially in the light of health and wealth prosperity gospel that is misleading god's people all around us to a point where we have asked god we have stopped asking god to bless us but it is okay to ask god to bless you as long as you are not asking god to bless you and keep the blessing to yourself as we find in the following verses god be gracious to us and bless us and then goes on to say make 
your face shine upon us. Face displays a person's identity. It also identifies a person's sentiment. Face is mere re reflection of what is in your heart. Your face shows your emotions. What Sam is, is capturing is the sheer delight, the absolute pleasure that God has toward us because we carry his grace, because we carry his blessings. But that's not the end of the prayer. This is not a prayer of selfishness, that the blessing stays in one particular person or on one particular community. This is a prayer that reminds us that there is a world out there who are yet to know the saving grace. Dear brothers and sisters, this is not an ordinary prayer. This is a prayer of action. Look at verse 2. So that your ways be known on earth, that your salvation among all nations. This is a prayer for global knowledge, that your ways may be known all, all the earth. That's why God has blessed us. The psalmist is saying, in effect, bless us so that we may glorify you. Bless us so that we may show your power, your love, your majesty, your goodness to all the nations. What Sam is not saying is, bless us so that we can be comfortable. Bless us so that we don't have to work hard to make a living. Bless us so that others can be envious of us. Bless us so that we can be successful in the eyes of the world. In a way, the psalmist is not even saying, bless us so that we can help others. Although that could be a great motive, the underlying fundamental reason of God's blessing is that we can bring glory to his name. In this powerful prayer, the psalmist calls us to look beyond ourselves, to think, to know, to feel, and to do something about the world that is all around us. As theologian says, the psalm is theocentric about God. It is geocentric about the world, but it is not egocentric, born out of self-centeredness. If you look carefully, the psalm is not a prayer offered by a single person. It is not written in first-person pronoun. It is us. It is a community, just like the Lord's Prayer. There are three universal words found in this psalm. At the end of the verse 2, you will find the word earth. Colonel James Irwin, the Apollo 15 astronaut who encountered Christ while on the surface of the moon, describes how he felt when he left the earth. He saw the size of the earth shrink to the size of a basketball, to a volleyball, sorry, to a soccer ball, then to a volleyball, to a baseball, to a tennis ball, to a golf ball, and then to the size of a blue marble. He says, this is how it looked from the moon's surface. 248 million square kilometers. Suddenly, he realized everything that is precious to him was on this blue marble. Everything we know is precious to our God, 
is on this redemptive-centered planet found in this blue marble. The whole earth is blessed. The Bible does not speak. No person left without knowing God, but it does address no place left without knowing him. Look at the second phrase, second part of verse 2. Your salvation among all nations. Nations. All nations without exception. There are 249 countries in the world according to Stratford 2018 report. Although these nations are man-made, it says all nations will come to know the saving power through us. That means it is our responsible as the redeemed ones by the grace of God to reach the nations. And we may think that it is hard, but the great reality, however, is that this nation that we call home is filled with the entire world. So if your excuse is that you are afraid to fly or hate to travel, you don't need to go any farther. According to the Mason City Schools website, 35 countries that speak 65 languages right here in the small city school district. Think about that. As you can rightly see, the international communities are flocking into the city in pursuit of an American dream. In fact, when interviewed, the 2018 class of IIM and IITs of India, which is equivalent to MIT, Yale, and Harvard here, 82% of the graduates shared the dream of landing in a job somewhere in the United States. You cannot even get into some of the countries represented here in our city very easily. But they are here in our own backyard. So don't wait until you feel comfortable sharing Christ by gathering more knowledge and understanding techniques in presenting Christ. Start praying this prayer and act on it today. You have the opportunity for international engagement right now for you to bring global knowledge of our Lord here in the city. Which would bring global praise? Look at verse 3 and 5, which are very identical. May the peoples praise you, God. May all the peoples praise you. This verse brings us to the third phrase, the people. People can be described in different ways, in different senses. You can talk about them in races, ethnicities, according to the languages, according to the economic tiers, according to the people groups, their perspectives, affiliations, and passions. But the psalmist says, let all the peoples praise you. It is a global praise. It is a collective praise, regardless of the diverse nature of humanity. Now comes the core of the psalm. Look at verse 4. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you rule the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. Psalmist here is calling for global joy. Is there joy in our world today? Just a quick glance through the news medias and observation all around us. We all know that there is no joy. 
There is turmoil all around us. There is a lot of panic. No one knows what the future holds. There is no joy. There is violence, bloodshed, famine, refugee crisis, natural disasters, lack of basic necessities. There is no systemic hope for the world today. Doesn't matter which socioeconomic uh, tier your friends and colleagues belong to. If they don't know the source of all hope that we have, they are desperate for hope. Hence, there is no joy. So what's the psalmist calling our attention to in the midst of this? He's reminding us there is a day coming when God will guide the nations on the earth with justice and equity. When Jesus comes, in a way that it will address all the justice issues, all the equity challenges, when he comes, every relational problems will be solved. Every theological questions answered. Every social issues will be addressed. But they can sing for joy now because Jesus is coming. He will judge and guide the nations. A classic example of how gospel brings joy, even in the midst of desperate times, is found in Acts chapter 8. This also reminds us that we may pay a price to bring joy to the hopeless. If you can turn your attention to Acts chapter 8, verse 1, 4, and 6, and 7. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Verse 4. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. Verse 7. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was a great joy in that city, joy in the face of trials, joy in the face of persecution. Friends, the flame of the gospel cannot be extinguished by its enemies. It only extends it. Yet there has always been a price paid, a life cut short, Sufferings, afflictions, and accusations are a part and parcel of being in the front lines of this mission. But it cannot take away your joy in serving. As we find in chapter 8, it was a persecution that scattered the church. Imagine people were separated from their loved ones. They were lacking the joyful expression of worshiping together hearing the God's word, breaking the bread and prayer. If you were to be taken out of the fellowship with one another and placed in a city where you don't know anyone, how would you feel? And for those who have experienced that, they would tell you it can be very depressing. But in the midst of all the loneliness and fear, we find the scattered church rise up and do the work of evangelism. Richard Ellsworth Day, in his book, Filled with the Spirit, observes the only thing which happened when the heavy foot of hatred struck the early church was to scatter the gospel fire 
all over the Asia Minor. Persecution didn't extinguish, it extended. We know it was chiefly the power of God that accounted for his incredible evangelical vitality. But there were also human convictions which helped to keep the flame burning. If we covet for our times the same passionate devotion for winning lost men and women, we do well to examine the human convictions that made those ancient laymen on living fire. Here is one. We must say, we must, as they, be thoroughly moved by the fact that without Jesus Christ, every, everyone is hopeless and helpless and lost. Philip went down to Samaria and preached Christ unto them. What else could he preach? What else should he? You can pick up a copy of our ministry newsletter at the, no, at the lobby here. And you will come across many amazing stories of transformations happening in the midst of rising challenges and persecution. Because we preach Christ to the ones who are vulnerable, desperate, devoid of peace, hope, and purpose. And their joy, even in the, in the midst of challenges, is contagious. That's a message that the world around us to need to hear today. We can give them joy now with the gospel of Jesus Christ because it anticipates his resolution of all things. Verse 6 and 7. The land yields its harvest. God, our God, blesses us. May God bless us still so that the ends of the earth will fear him. The land yields its harvest a tangible demonstration of God's favor over their produce, but built on a spiritual base. You may, you may be finding it difficult to praise the earth has yielded its produce and the Lord has blessed us when your car has broken down or when your basement got flooded or when your air, condition, air conditioner goes out at the height of the summer. However, in, the, in spite of all these troubles, you and I are the most blessed people in all the world, in every sense. We have running hot water, climate-controlled housing, multiple sets of clothing and jewelry, driving cars that are dream cars for the rest of the world, the sheer number of entertainment options, premium quality and varieties of food on our tables, healthcare. Friends, the land has yielded its produce. God has blessed this nation. Verse 7, God bless us still so that the ends of the earth will fear him. Not some of the ends of the earth, but all the ends of the earth may fear him. And if we add the, the stanza from verse 5, may all the peoples praise you. That is the culmination of global worship all the ends of the earth. When Jesus gathered his disciples right before he ascended to heaven, in Acts chapter 1, he said, you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit to be my witness unto the ends of the earth. The mandate has been given to each follower of Christ to be the witness to the ends of the earth. God has blessed you and me to live in a land of abundance so that we can take the good news of the gospel to the lost people, to the ends of the earth. 
There is no other time in the history that the world need to hear the gospel. If you are not convinced that you are not equipped enough to be the proclaimer of the gospel, let me alert you that there are over 40,000 pastors in Asia and Southeast Asia today ministering to over 6 million people who have no theological education nor have any access to any related resources. I have seen pastors with the pages of the Bible. That's all they got. They have no complete Bibles in their languages. If you have sat down on these pews for one year, you have gained more theological education than pastors and seminary professors in much of the parts of the world. That's how God has blessed you. Yes. We do have troubles on our shores, but we have the ability to live in freedom, to pursue our dreams, to live together as families and worship in comfort, which are but distant dreams for many parts of the world, where families are separated and are in refugee camps, freedom taken away by perpetrators, violence, war, famine, and bloodshed. Friends, God's heart for the nations calls us to reach out to the people who are hurting, anxious, and desperate to all the ends of the earth. So look around in your neighborhood, people whom you do life with. Present them Christ through your life. In all that you say, all that you do, invite them to your homes. Give them a chance to see the joy and the hope that you have in Christ. Please don't talk politics. In other words, let us be active, sharing life on life gospel. The young salesman was disappointed about losing a big sale, and he talked to his sales manager, and he lamented, I guess it just proves you can lead a horse to the water, but you can make, it, make him drink. The manager replied, son, Take my advice. Your job is not to make him drink. Your job is to make him thirsty. So it is with evangelism. Our lives should be filled with Christ, that they create a thirst for the gospel for those whom you do life with. We can never be passionate, persisting Christ follower until our hearts are ablaze with the love and compassion for the lost. The thought of how much Jesus meant to you and me the day you and I surrendered our lives to him, and the thought of how tragic it would have been if you and I never found him, should stir up our hearts toward the work of evangelism and brings joy to the ones who are anxious and desperate for hope in your own families, in your neighborhood at your workplaces, and in our city, and beyond, living out great commission on a daily basis. Don't ever feel that you are incapable. Just be available. Recently, I came across a poem that titled Five Loaves and Two Fishes. It says, God uses what you have to fill a need which you never could have felt. God uses where you are to take you where you never could have gone. 
God uses what you can do to accomplish what you never could have done. God uses who you are to let you become who you never could have been. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us so that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Shall we pray?